You're listening to Spice Radio, 1200 AM, and we are speaking to Charlie Smith, the editor of Vancouver. Charlie, how are you this morning? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks, Karen. It's great to be on Spice Radio. Always a pleasure to have you, Charlie. Now, this was a really big news story this week. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced on Tuesday that the federal government is prepared to spend $196.1 billion on health care over the next decade. So what does this announcement mean? What's been the reaction? Well, it's kind of funny because it sounds like a lot of money, and it is, but... Uh, to see the premiers expressing disappointment over it because they were hoping for significantly more. Um, what $196 billion over 10 years uh, works out to is about $600 million a year for B.C. And, and the B.C. government was actually hoping for closer to $4 billion a year. I think they, they you know, ask for the sky and hope you get the moon. But then what they feel they got is probably a little comment. Um, but $600 million, uh, next year the budget for health care alone in B.C. will be $27 billion. So $600 million out of $27 billion, like that's an addition, but it's, it's not a massive rescue package. Uh, but it appears that the money is coming with few strings attached. Um, and so uh, that's something that uh, the government can decide what they want to do. There's been criticism from the Green Party. They don't want any of this money going into administration because what we've seen is with the health authorities, and the B.C. Liberals have been raising this too, is uh, you've got health authorities with a whole bunch of vice presidents um, and presidents and CEOs who are making a lot of money administering the system. And that's a result of regionalization, where we used to have the Ministry of Health do all of this, and that changed in the 1990s. We've created all these entities that uh, are basically overseeing hospitals and community care and mental health and all of that. But it is getting quite expensive in terms of what these people are being paid. So uh, there's a question, where's $600 million going to go? Um, that sounds better when you say it's 196 billion, but uh, on an annual basis, and and also it's happening in the context of inflation, so it's basically, you know, an increase that will cover costs of inflation. So I don't think it's going to uh, plug the, the leak in the healthcare system, but but it's better than nothing. And Charlie, we also are looking at another news article which talks about the hundreds of qualified Canadian physicians that are trained abroad but are turned away each year because of various reasons. Yeah, this is a big problem that we have where um, people are encouraged to immigrate to Canada and in many cases they're, they're not told that the qualifications that they have and the professional credentials that they have uh, may not be recognized in Canada. And part of the reason is Canada, the government of Canada does overseas immigration, but the, the licensing of professionals, whether they're engineers, they're doctors, they're nurses, lawyers, is, happen, is, is at the provincial level. And the provincial government has legislation that passes along the licensing authority to these self-regulating professions. So in the case of the doctors, it's the College of Physicians and Surgeons of B.C. And it has elected board members, and uh, these 
that they set the policy of what uh, qualifications people need to be licensed. So the, the challenge you have is this: uh, these licensing bodies that feel that the educational credentials that people have, and if you look at the Indian healthcare system, for instance, the doctors are phenomenally skilled and have, have a global reputation um, for, for their ability in healthcare. And um, But at the same time, they have to go through this licensing schmoggle and in some cases needing to go back to medical school. And, and so we have a bunch of doctors in British Columbia um, but they're not uh, licensed uh, according to our provincial college of physicians and surgeons. And the federal government often talks about how it's going to address this, and you'll hear politicians in federal elections say, we want to deal with foreign credentials. But the fact of the matter is the only people who really can deal with it are at the provincial level, the, the MLAs, and, and that involves wrestling control from the self-regulating organizations that have been created by, by a law, a statute. And so it's quite complicated and challenging. And, and uh, Adrian Dix uh, did some things with respect to foreign-trained nurses to bring them into the system uh, last year. So, so it can be done, but it's, uh, I think it's one of the weaknesses of the Canadian Federation. And, and basically what we have is a very decentralized country where the federal government doesn't have as much authority in Canada as it has in places like the United States, India, and other countries. Well, it's very interesting, Charlie, and this has been an ongoing discussion that we've been having here too, so let's see what this all means. Now, Charlie, you wrote about muralist, illustrator, and friend of the show, Jag Nagra, about her love of art and representing her Punjabi identity. Tell us more about it. Yeah, I found it really interesting, her because I've always seen Jag as, as someone who's, you know, emblematic of Punjabi pride in a lot of ways, and what her art, where she kind of almost appropriates Western um, kind of things that we all know, like whether it's Canucks jersey or whether it's in the recent case of Varsity Letterman's jacket, um, and then in, insert um, you know script and colors and other uh, messages to to make them Punjabi, and and I think people feel a real connection to that. And and it's I think it, it actually makes people feel like they're more part of the country, and that the country wants them to be part of the country. So, uh, but what I was surprised when I interviewed her was how this evolution occurred within her, and how when she was young, growing up in Maple Ridge, that uh, she really didn't identify with her Punjabi side. Uh, of her identity um, in the same way as she did with her Canadian identity. And and it took several years, and by doing her art, she, she likes to say, I don't know whether it was what came first, the art or the identity, because they almost built upon one another. Um, but I, I think she's a, a role model in a lot of ways for young people who might be having some of these similar challenges of, you know, how they feel and where their place is in Canada, and especially if they have parents who might be from Punjab and are very Indian in a lot of ways, and and then they're feeling Canadian, 
And I think Jag is bringing them together through her art. No, it is really beautiful, her artwork. It's so colorful. So it's really nice to have that kind of representation. Now, Charlie, something else I want to talk about is Titanic is celebrating 25 years since its release. So James Cameron has decided to re-release the movie and it's going to look much better. But before I ask you my silly question regarding this, I want you to tell us about a documentary that James Cameron produced on the Titanic. Yeah, this was done and it was at the Vancouver Film Festival in 2021, and it was called The Six. And many people don't know that there were Chinese people on the Titanic. And they were passengers. They weren't just crew. And they were in third class. There were eight of them. And they were merchant seamen who were coming from Plymouth in the UK to New York to work on American ships. And then, of course, the Titanic hits the iceberg. And uh, they, like everyone else, had to scramble for safety. And so James Cameron produced the documentary. Um, it was directed by a lead, the lead researcher, a man named Stephen Schwankert, um, who speaks fluent uh, Mandarin, and he had Chinese researchers, and then they determined the identity of these six uh, Chinese third-class passengers. And, and this is what um, is really uh, stuck out for me, was that uh, the character Kate Winslet's, um, you know, at the end, where she's pulled, you know, off a raft, um, was actually inspired on a door at sea. Actually, was pulled to safety. Um, one of the Chinese people, who was the last person from the Titanic, was named Fang Fang Lang, and he was clutching a door at sea as he was pulled to safety. And this was written up in the history books. And so James Cameron saw that when he was doing his research, and he thought, oh, this would be a nice scene for Rose, played by Kate Winslet, um, in the Titanic. But now, <laughs> as you were telling me, James Cameron is now re-looking, revisiting the end of the Titanic, and, and uh, we'll see whether, what, what that means for Leonardo DiCaprio's character. Well, here's the funny thing, Charlie, right? Even 25 years later, there are ongoing debates and fights about the fact of whether Rose and Jack could have both survived on that door, right? And a lot of people think, oh, there was plenty of room and Jack should have been able to survive. So Cameron, he did many experiments and they showed that, hey, okay, only Rose could have survived. But recently he did another experiment and it showed, hey, you know what? Potentially both the characters from the film could have survived. So Charlie, I just want to get your take on this. Do you think that both Jack and Rose could have survived it? Well, I think they both could have. I actually like the way the story was done um, in the original version because you had Rose's recollections and her memories, and I think it was more poignant that she survived and Jack didn't. I don't know what your thoughts are. I mean, I guess story-wise, it makes sense. But I recently rewatched it, Charlie, just a couple months ago, and it still gets to me. I just always think, like, ooh, I understand why he wrote it that way. But the back of my mind, I'm like, no, you both could have made it. Just as the chemistry. Well, maybe it was also he was he was trying to be so his like keep the facts of history, and 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 then you know that that story on the door. There was only one person on the tour, 
<laughs> Fang Lang. Yes. Um, <laughs> in reality. <laughs> I was just going to say that. Oh, my God. You just said what I was thinking. I'm like, both of them wouldn't survive it because yeah. Fang Lang had already taken the door. <laughs> in my head, man. I just, I could only wish. But, Charlie, oh, thank twist. you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. You take oh, care and have a wonderful pleasure. weekend. Okay. Take care. Bye, Bye Charlie.